Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in Psalm 28 and uh, before we go into the reading, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And I just come before you praying that you'd bless this time, that you'd open our hearts and our minds, that we would be prepared to hear what you have for us, that we would be prepared to hear you, hear your instruction, to receive it and to act on it. Lord, I know that you are the one who wrote these words. And so I just pray that you, Holy Spirit, would guide us, provide us with your insight and understanding and the strength to apply it. So, Father, I pray today, I pray now for you to be with us. I'm grateful for who you are and the fact you love us, that you want us want what's best for us. You want us to grow and to have a joyful life. So, Father, I pray for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this, this psalm, I'm just going to read through it. It's, uh, we've, it's pr- fairly, fairly popular, fairly well-known. But there's some insight from Charles Spurgeon that I thought was really interesting. And so I'll read that afterwards. To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done, and bring back on them what they deserve. Because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance, for their shepherd, be their shepherd and carry them forever. So David calls on the Lord for help. He's obviously in a very distressed place, and the Lord answers him. But one of the questions is, do not turn a deaf ear for me, for if you remain silent, I'll be like those who go down to the pit. So is he around others who are going to be down, going down to the pit? Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil. So again, is he around those who are doing evil? And this made me think about my own life. And it really made me ponder what all this, you know, what this, this psalm was really about. Because on the surface, it's really kind of David pleading with God, almost rationalizing or justifying who he is and that he's done well, done good things. And then God saves him, helps him, and he praises God because God's helping him and saving him. Now, that's not to put David down at all. That's what I do. I go to God and, you know, 
call on him for help and then praise him when I get it. I don't usually praise him when it's not working out. (laughs) I'm not that strong. But anyway, so I just wanted to read to you what um, Charles Spurgeon had to say. He writes in his sermon from, I believe it was like, Oh, it was from 1916. Oh, he delivered the sermon in 1869, then documented it in 1916. He writes, I have no doubt that the first and most natural meaning of these words is this, that David passed through such mental distress, such accumulated grief, that unless his prayer should bring him consolation from heaven, he felt that he must despair and so become like those who sink into everlasting despair going down into the pit of hell. I think it is a cry against his misery which vexed him, an earnest petition that he might not have to suffer so long as to drive him into that same despair, which is the eternal inheritance of lost souls. But in reading the other day, Massillon's Reflections of the Psalms, I noticed that the eminent French preacher gives quite another turn to the passage. And he seems to regard this as as being the prayer of David when he was exposed to the association of the ungodly, fearful lest he should become in character like those who go down into the pit. And even if that should not be the first meaning of the text, it seems to me to be a natural inference from it. And if not, still the thought itself is one which contains so much of holy caution about it that I desire to commend it to all my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus tonight and especially to such as are usually exposed to the danger from, from evil society. So he goes on to, to preach about the challenge of associating with people of the world who are conducting evil. You know, they're basically, they're sinners. We all are. But they're living a lifestyle and a life that is very sinful, and it's not for God. God is not part of their equation. And he provides a cautionary tale in his sermon. So I had to think about that quite a bit. And how how does that apply to me? Because I understand the first part where David's saying, please, Lord, don't don't ignore me, save me, so that I don't become depressed is basically it, so I don't go into that pit. But then the other thought, and I and I actually recently, with all the business tr- the troubles I'm having with my work and some deals and everything else, I just I've been there. I found myself find myself starting to go into that path of of hibernation, not doing what I need to do on a daily basis, not doing everything that's just basic to my life, and instead becoming more of a hermit. Not good at all because I can go into a state of depression and I see, thankfully, the beginning steps. So what do I have to do? I have to take those steps. But I also have to make sure I'm praying to God, Lord, keep me from, help me from going into those steps and down those stairs of the depression pit. So the other part is, is it's really then about who do you associate with? And I have to admit, I don't associate with a ton of Christians Um, those people that I do associate with they're neighbors and they're people that are convenient for me to talk to and get to know. Whereas the people at my church, if I can even say I have a church because I don't go to the church often enough because being a hypercritical person, I find a million little things to nitpick at at my church, even though it's wonderful 
and it's biblically based and the pastor is fabulous, I still find myself being a nitpicker and not attending as often as I should. And so I don't have the relationships with other Christians on a daily basis. My friends are not strong, faith, faithful believers. My friends are just guys that I know. And I've met them through working out, through fishing, through whatever it might be. So it's one of those situations where I really had to start looking at that and listening to this message from Spurgeon. Who am I associating with? And can they bring me down into the pit? And I had to really start not only looking at people, but my behaviors and my actions. I read all the time. I'm reading fiction, nonfiction. And I had to really start looking at, okay, my friends, I have to consider that. And I have to consider, okay, I'm not going to get rid of those people because I love them. And they've been in my life for a long, long time. And ultimately, they're not bad for me. And if something went sideways in my life, I could call them and they would immediately help me and come to my aid. But at the same time, I need new friends who are Christian based, Christ based. And those acquaintances that are not Christ based at all, should I really should I really nurture those and nurture those as I am? Generally those those involve, hey yeah, let's go grab a drink or why don't you come on over and we'll have a drink. That, that's not an edifying situation for me. I drink too much as it is and and I'm trying to cut back significantly. So for that to be part of my social life is really a challenge. So the reality is, is hanging out with people from church would be a much better solution. Not that they're perfect, not that they don't drink and all that other stuff, but it's probably a better choice. So nurturing that is really something I have to do. But then I have to start thinking about all the stuff I read. I read a lot and I read both fiction, nonfiction, I read stuff that is historical. They're historical novels. And right now I've been in a series about the Parthenian um, dynasty and some of the wars and some of the, the characters and the, and the fictional characters and also some of the true characters. I've been reading both the fiction and the nonfiction elements of it. Um, I happen to be a history buff. But the reality is in the readings that are fiction, I'm reading about their gods and how they pray to Shamish and all these others. And the reality is, is those are demons. And it actually causes me to not think that, that poorly of those that think, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's not bad. And then what if in some scene I was told to go and participate or at least be there, what would I do? And I started thinking, oh, maybe it's not that bad to just be there, but knowing that, that their God is false. And then in the stories, it's, it's uh, showing that their God has power and all this other stuff. I started thinking about that. What am I filling my head with? And I have to admit that I'm filling my head with garbage. Even though I read my Bible every day, and I read the works of Spurgeon and Tozer and MacArthur and whatnot, I'm still filling my head, other parts of it, with garbage. I'm filling my heart with relationships that are not appropriate. Um, they're, you know, they're based around alcohol or just, you know, BSing and guys talking, talking smack and, and garbage. So is that really what I should be doing? So this really is causing me to reflect on my associations, my associations with people, with read, even stuff, I actions, reading and stuff like that. So anyways, 
that's where I'm at. That's what this verse, this chapter or this Psalm did for me. Um, and it really did challenge me. So now I have to act on it. So with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you challenge us. Thank you for the words and the insights from such scholars as Spurgeon and Tozer and and Massillian. And Lord, I'm just grateful that you talk to us on a daily basis. You talk to us throughout the day if we have our hearts and our ears open. So Lord, I just pray for whatever insights you provided to us. I pray that we would act on them, that we would be strong enough to fulfill and to live those convictions out and those insights out. May you be the one we live for. May our families and our friends know you and love you. May your angels be about them to keep them safe and away from harm, both spiritual and physical. And Lord, I just pray you be with all of us this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. I hope you have a great day.